You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Uh, We are in a series uh, called United, where we're working through John 17. And if you're new to Radiant, I want to welcome you, and I'm so glad that you're here. My name's David, and uh, on behalf of me and my beautiful wife, Renata, we want to welcome you, and uh, we're glad that you're here today. This series in John 17 is really just a series on prayer before we go into the fall. And so we had, uh, in the first week of this series, what we call Prayer Week, which is where we gather together every night to pray and to believe God and really to pray for the fall. And so most of the time when we think of fall, we think of school back in and all the parents said, yeah, God. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we think of football season and we think of Thanksgiving around the corner, maybe, maybe not. But I want in addition to those things and maybe even higher than those things as a person at Radiant, I wanna invite you to think about a season. The fall is a season where we're really intentional to try to help people come to know Jesus. And so when we look at where we've been as a church, uh, we've seen people kind of come to check out church a little bit in the fall. And we've seen an uptick in people giving their lives to Jesus. And so as we go into this fall, I'm believing God for a great harvest. I'm believing God that I grew up in Northern Idaho where, the, where fall was harvest season. I'm believing that we would see people come to know Jesus. And so we're in a season of prayer as a church where we're asking God to do great things this fall. And so I wanna invite you just to think that way and in your time alone with God to just pray, God, I pray that people would come to know you this fall or maybe when you're praying with your family. God, we pray that you would do something this fall. Let people come to know you and just start to get that in your head, in your mind. It's kind of part of the radiant culture and what we're believing God for. And so we're in this series. And what we've done in this series is we've taken the prayer of Jesus and we're just taking three weeks to take actual phrases, ideas that Jesus prayed and we're just wanting to make them our prayer. And so some of them are word for word, kind of what he prayed. Others are the idea, but I just wanted to highlight three simple ideas. And so two weeks ago, We took out a verse four where Jesus says in John 17, as he's praying to his father and he makes a statement. So he goes, father, I have brought you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. And so our action item for that was God has work for each one of us to do. And by virtue of you fulfilling that thing, that work, that purpose, that calling, as you finish or complete that, you're bringing glory to God. And then last week we talked out of verse 20 and this is where we named the series, but it's this idea where Jesus prays that we would be united, we would be one. And he talks about two ideas, that we'd be one with him and that we'd be one with each other. And so we just said that, we said, God, we wanna be united. And if Jesus prayed it, if it was in his prayer, we've got 26 verses where we get Jesus praying to the father. So God talking to God, it matters what that content is. He prays for unity. And so this week I've actually had conversations with people that have said, hey, we've been praying that. Here's the way it's helped in our family, in our, uh, in our marriage. And uh, in addition to obviously what we're praying for, our church and then the, the capital C church, Christ Church as well. And so we prayed about that idea of unity last week. And this week I wanna inject into our prayers as we kind of think about it. We could go a lot of ways. I mean, every phrase in John 17, you could just, we could spend so much time on. But there's this one phrase that I just want as we go into this fall for this to be in our prayers, that this would be 
on our tongue, that this would be something that we say. And so if you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 17. Let's read this. We're going to pick up in verse 24, Jesus praying. I'm going to read his prayer, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll talk about it. Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may, and here it is, this is what I want to talk about today, that they may behold my glory. Let me say that again. That they, that's you, that's me, that's us, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Father, we love you. We come to you in the name of Jesus. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the opportunity to be your disciples here and now. And God, we want the word of God to come alive in us. God, we want to be present tense disciples. We want to read the scriptures and apply them to our lives and let it, let it be alive in us as we go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We don't want this to be theoretical. We want this to be active and alive and working in us. We honor you and we love you. And Radiant said, amen. So let's just, let me look at this real quick and then we'll kind of go into stories and fun. I just want you to kind of get this. Father, real simple idea. Jesus said, father, all right? So even in your prayer, same way that Jesus prays father, we pray father. Even when the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, Jesus said, father, all right? That was the idea in the Lord's prayer. And you come before God and think of him as Father. And Jesus, whenever we see him praying, he's always talking to his Father, all right? So he prays, Father, I desire, I just want you to catch the desires in Jesus. Jesus has desires. There's something in him that he cares about. And it's what we're about to talk about today. He says, I desire. That alone could be something to kind of fill up our hearts and our minds. What are the desires that God has? He has desires. And so sometimes we would say, hey, you know, God's got desires like we do. Uh, it's a little bit different. You're made in his image. You actually have desires like he does. He possesses desires. And here Jesus says, I desire that they also, whom you, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. And he says this phrase, and this is just where I want to marinate, hang out, swim in, talk about, get in us. He says that they may behold my glory. That they, you, Jesus prayed that you would behold his glory. The glory which was given to him before creation, which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. Glory, this weighty depth, honor. It's, it, you could define it, splendor. Jesus says, I want them to behold. I want them to see. The NIV says, see. I want them to behold. I want them to see. I want them to experience. I want them to know. I want them to behold my glory. And today, where we're gonna conclude is that that prayer would be in you and in me. As we go through our weeks, as we drive, God, I wanna behold your glory. As we walk down hallways and university campuses, show me your glory. As we open up the scriptures, show me your glory. As we even see in creation, I wanna behold your glory. I want that prayer in this season of prayer to be alive in you. It's real easy just to come before God and just add this in. Just God, open up my eyes. God, show me your splendor. Show me the splendor of Jesus. Let me behold him. 
So two weeks ago, I was uh, with my two sons and uh, we were driving through Indianapolis and we were on our way to Fort Wayne, Indiana to go to a pastor's conference because my dad uh, was putting on a conference that he is starting at age 72, everybody. Starting a conference for pastors at 72. Anyway, he's my hero. And so you could woo a little bit louder right there. And uh, yeah, that's better. That's, that's a little better. So anyway, my dad, and so he's this dynamic preacher leader and I, I just wanted my boys to go with me and I just wanted them to see their grandpa who stands and screams and spits when he preaches and mm, just don't know. Mm, I love that. Don't know why, but uh, I love. And so, and so we're, we're driving through Indianapolis on our way to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And as we drive through Indianapolis, my son Dawson, who's 14 years old, he says, dad, did you know that downtown at Lucas Oil Stadium, there is a statue of Peyton Manning? I said, I did not know that. He said, we must see it. I said, son, we, we, I mean, it's late. I mean, we'd flown in. We were driving all the way to Fort Wayne. It was already nighttime. And I was like, I'm not sure, you know, like let's, 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 let's just press through. I mean, it was, it, was, it was evening, but we had to drive a long way. I wanted to get to bed. He goes, dad, we got to see it. It's Peyton Manning. Yeah, but da, 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 dad, don't you know? Yes, I do know. Sorry, son, right? And so lo and behold, you can imagine we, pull off. We, 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 we go downtown. We're driving around Lucas Oil Stadium. We pull over and my boys jump out. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to do one of those. You guys jump out, take my phone, you take a selfie. But they got out and they started taking pictures and I've got the car on and I'm looking over at them and they're having so much fun that I, I did. I, I just confession of a sinner right here. I, I got out of the car, parked illegally. <laughs> Sorry downtown Indianapolis. I said, let's go. And I got a picture of the three of us with Peyton Manning downtown. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. And I don't like that picture because I wear my glasses at nighttime. I never wanted you to know that I have glasses. But anyways, take that off. Uh, <laughs> it's part of aging, right? It's just weird. Getting old is strange. Anyway, so, um, okay, sorry. Uh, and so, and so anyway, so, so we took the picture and, and I began to just think, <laughs> as I was just reading this and thinking about this idea of glory, I'm thinking about glory. And what is it that, that people would build a statue of Peyton? What is it that would cause me and my two boys who are already late to Fort Wayne, that we would go figure out how to find a statue of a guy that throws a football? I'll tell you what it is. It's that people sat around on Sunday afternoons and watched the Colts go from awful to awesome right? They, well, not that awesome. I know it's a chief country and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overplaying that, but just for the illustration, bear with me. <laughs> Last service, someone was like, why are you talking about that? That just hurts. I'm not sure I can go to this church anymore. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, just for illustration. All right. And so they, you, you would sit and you would go, wow, he can do it. A lot of us, most of us, okay. All of us can't do. And he's, what it is, it's, he's awesome. It's, it's, he, he's good. It's tell you what, you sit on Sunday in a stadium and you see him win some games. You see him make the throws. You see him go for it on fourth down and you just go, wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, and maybe you see it on a TV. Maybe you sit and you just kind of watch and you watch him over the course of the career and you just say, man, most people kind of get worse. He seems to be getting better and he's just so good. And, and here's the idea. It's, it's the reason why there would be a desire to stop and take the picture or to build the statue in the first place is somehow, some way, there was a conviction that Peyton is awesome. And so I was looking at these words, glory, 
What's the definition? How would you get it? And you could say splendor. Our vernacular today, we don't use the word glory a whole lot, but it, it could be a word I use around my house with my kids and my family. It's the word awesome. Like, wow, awesome. And imagine with me the awesomeness, the magnitude, the glory of beholding Jesus, the God of the universe, the one who is creator, the one who came to earth. We sang it a moment ago as we made that declaration. I believe, I believe, I believe. And here you've got Jesus and he's praying this prayer because in the moment where he prays this at Gethsemane, where he's about to go to a cross and even his disciples are gonna leave him. He's being rejected. He's going to die like a criminal. And he is experiencing the opposite of what humanity in that moment called splendor or awesome. He's about to die with the thieves. And Jesus comes before his father. He says, Father, I desire, there's a desire in me. I want them to be with me. And I want them to see my glory, my awesomeness, my splendor that, that I've had with you before the foundation of the world. Like they don't have a clue, the level, the magnitude, the awesomeness. And when we read this text, Jesus is praying right here that we, the believers. So the first five verses of John 17 is Jesus and he's mostly praying about himself. Then six through 19, he's praying for his disciples. Then 20 through 26, Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for those who would believe after the disciples. That's you and me, that's his church. And when he says, I want them to be with me. He's not saying I want them to be with me in Gethsemane. He's not saying I want them to be with me in Jerusalem. He's thinking of eternity and he's going, I want them to be with me. I want them to be with me. I want them in heaven. I want them to see my glory. And I wanna invite you to take this prayer and to try to apply it and begin to ask God, God, increase in me a holy anticipation and expectation for one day being with Christ forever. Now, most of us, honestly, because of the wealth of our nation, we do not live that way like many people in third world countries. Like you go to other places where there's human suffering and there's great anticipation for a day where there will be no more pain. And the truth is though lots of us have, some of you have great lives and some of you have hard lives, but either way, for the most part, we live in a fairly wealthy scenario where lots of our needs are met. And Jesus here is praying that we one day would see the magnitude awesomeness. And I just want us to so get lost in the idea of how great he is. Not that our human situation would get worse, but that our heavenly expectation would increase. Oh God, I want to so see Jesus that I long to be with him, that I have an anticipation to be, behold him and be with him for eternity. When we were in the Philippian series, we got to that text where Paul says it, 
where he says, ah, Philippians 1, where he says, I don't even know. I don't know. Do I want to be here or do I want to be there? If I stay here, it means pain and suffering, but it's better for you that I stay. Better for me to be with Jesus by far. I can't tell which one I want. I'm torn between the two. And when we read that in Philippians 1, we think that's kind of weird because most of us, we go, I I can't think that way. Life's pretty good here. And it's not a hope for death, but what it is is an anticipation of what it will be like with Jesus forever and ever. It is an increase of his glory to where the things of earth grow strangely dark and dim compared to the glorious splendor of being with him and seeing his glory forever so that the ache inside of our heart is, I want to be with him, but you won't want to be with him unless you've seen him. But if you've seen him, if you beheld his glory, then you start to want, you start to anticipate, you start to desire. And just like Jesus prayed, I desire. Imagine if you prayed, I desire. God, I want to see the glory of Jesus. You want to see it one day in heaven? But I want to add us today, like now, Like we will see far more in heaven. We'll see him. Woo! But there is much to behold of his glory in the present tense now. Like like practically speaking, Monday through Saturday and Sunday morning, we can behold, I guess all day Sunday, we can behold him now, right? We can behold him, we can see him. And I just wanna, I wanna talk through a couple kind of practical ideas on how in the present tense, we can increase beholding him. The first one is just that we can behold him in creation. So I'm imagining as you drive to the university, as you drive to where you work, as you walk through hallways, as you do all the things you do, if you can step outside and begin to make this your prayer, when you see skies, when you see creation, God, show me your glory. Psalm 19 says, hey, when we look at the skies, we see with the skies, we see some of his glory. And that creation points to how glorious he is. So imagine you kind of locking in with, all right, even in the midst of paying bills, even in the midst of disciplining your children, even in the midst of all the things you've got going. What could I do to have the prayer of Jesus in John 17 that we might behold his glory? How could I do it in the present tense now? Start with this. God, I wanna see. Open my, even through creation, open my eyes. Let me, let me behold. Let the beauty around me, let it point me towards Jesus. Because I quote this a lot and you know this one, but it's one of my favorites because I think you gotta get this. When you see Jesus, imagine Jesus creating. Like like John 1, John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. I just want you to get that. All things were made, yeah. So when I see him, when I behold creation, I There's something when I see it, it draws me to go, Jesus, you are awesome. (laughs) Like it's not happenstance, not just regular chilling out. Of course, random living. Of course, there's the mountains and the trees and there's the sky. As a Christ follower, taking the scriptures and go, "Mm, the heavens declare the glory of God. All right, Jesus existed, eternity past, creation. Even creation causes me, 
Even when I see it, the flower, the I don't, we're around it all the time. Show me your glory. Let even that, just even that, let that, let that create a prayer inside of me. Show me your glory. And I want you to capture too, just the stories of Jesus. How can I see his glory? How, how, could, how could it grow? How could the ache, the prayer of Jesus to see his glory, how could it be in me? I wanna invite you to, to love the word of God and to get in this every single day. And if you'll even read the stories of Jesus, just flipping through the gospels and look, what's his personality? How does he respond to Peter? How does he respond to John? How does he respond to Thomas? How does he respond to Judas? How does he respond to the lepers? How does he, how, what does he say? What, is it, what are his messages? What, why did he do this miracle? And, and you start to really get into his story. You are, wow. You are, he is awesome. Far greater than Peyton will grow. Because you go, wow. Because you see his story. You know his story. Like the people that we love the most, we know their story. Like Renata's sitting on the front row. I mean, I know her story backwards and forwards. I can tell you just about every detail about Renata. I think I know more about her than she knows about herself, but that's for a marriage conference one day. You know, like, I, I mean, I, I know. And in fact, our stories are, are intertwined, right? I mean, I mean, we got a lot of, I know details. I know all about her life and her history, her story. But let's say I was to walk up to some dude at a Royals game that I never met before and say like, what's up, bro? I love you. That would be awkward, right? <laughs> There's no relationship. We don't know each other's story. But if I were to sit with that guy and just sit around a table and say, tell me your story. Let's just talk and then get to know him. Hear his story. Listen, when you hear the story, it builds friendship. Friendship and relationship. Here's the idea. When you study the story, when there's a hunger to know his glory and this just sits on the shelf. Far better to go, no, no, no. I'll, not in just a prayer way, but in a studying God. I wanna, I wanna know the story. I wanna enter into the story. I want the details. I want the, the details of why he rose up early in the morning. I want the details of why he responded to Peter that way. I, I, want, I want that to be in me because John says in John 1, Jesus is one of, John is one of Jesus' disciples and Jesus is living this glorious life. And John says, the word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his same word, glory. We disciples, we have seen his glory. Now just imagine if that was part of your story, fill in the blank. <laughs> I, Kenny Reed, I have seen his glory. There's an invitation to behold. There's a prayer to behold. What happens if you fill in the blank right there? I have beheld. He is glorious. John says, we have beheld his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Like just imagine, far greater, far greater than any of us could fathom is this glorious Jesus. It's who Isaiah saw in Isaiah six when he goes, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people. He saw Jesus, he goes, wow. And John says that in John 12, he says, in verse 41, he says, he says that John says, Isaiah saw the glory of Jesus and talked about it. Like imagine if we did that. 
Like imagine if that was just kind of part of our story. I have beheld him. I have seen him. And now it's what I talk about. Why? When you see more, when you behold more, you care more. It's what you want to talk about. If you go to every single Colts game, you got a lot of the glory of Peyton on your lips because you know more and you've seen more. But when you've seen him, when you've seen Jesus, you become one of those people and all the cynics look at you and go, ah, you're just, and they'll categorize you. You're just, you're just, you're super spiritual. But here's the reality. Jesus prayed it. Jesus prayed. He's prayed that you would behold his glory. And so what happens if you become unanswered to his prayer and you develop a little more holy hunger that says, if he prayed it over me, I, I want to behold his glory. I want, I, want, I want that confession about Isaiah. But what if that's true of me? I beheld his glory and I talked about it. We always talk about what we care about. And so I've seen him. And you can just read the biblical narratives and those who have seen him, they're just, whoa, uh, he is awesome. I think even when you just kind of read through Luke, you can just read through these different stories. And just, I just want you to get even stories where instead of it just being the, the old cartoon that you saw when you were a kid, the felt board from Sunday school, the veggie tale from yesteryear, it is, that's in those stories, I'm beholding the attributes, the personality of Jesus, and I can see some of his glory. Because John says it, we've beheld his glory. John, there he is. He's walking with Jesus. I beheld his glory. I've seen it. You, you don't think I've seen it? How about the moment when he called us and he told us to throw our nets out and we said, yeah, we've been fishing. We think we, 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 think we know how to fish. Thanks, young rabbi, but I think we're okay. No, 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 throw it down again. Fine, we'll do it again. And whoosh, all the fish fill up the nets. Like we've heard that story 10,000 times, but just... Imagine if you're John and you're a fisherman and you're like jaw dropping, no way. How'd you do that? Like did all the fish in the sea come to one spot? Did you make more fish? Whoa, what, where do these fish come from? Are these baby fish? How, how did this happen? There, here's, here's that moment they go, You keep reading in Luke and you go on, there's that moment, he feeds the 5,000 and families. All of a sudden bread, fish multiply or is created. And if you're John, you're pulling back, talking to Peter, brah, how on earth did that happen? How do you, how do you make thousands of fish in a second like that anyway? Did he make dead fish? Did he make fish from fish? Did he make bread from bread? Did that, how does that, how does that even work? Did the bread rise? Is it no yeast, with yeast, what? How? What's going on is oh, weighty. You are awesome. You are filled with splendor. You are glorious. And I don't know the details, 
All I know is the glory. All I know is who is this king of glory? Psalm 24, the Lord strong and might. Who are you? And friends, in the midst of our lives, we've got so much. It is so easy for us to lose some of that. What? Wow. Ah, marvel. I was thinking about it because right there in Luke goes into the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. Just thinking about that moment. If you're Peter, James, and John, you walk up the mountain with Jesus. And all of a sudden, the scripture says that his clothes become white like lightning, which of course, in my 21st century studying that text, I pictured lightning McQueen. I'm like, no, that's not what it is. Lightning, like white lightning and and then it says that Moses and Elijah came. If you're Peter, James, and John, that's a crazy day where you follow Jesus up and all of a sudden there's Moses and Elijah. All of a sudden there's Jesus appearing bright and you're going, who are you? What? You are glorious. And I was just thinking about the other nine disciples. You know, like, I wonder what they're saying. There's Jesus going off with Peter, James, and John again. Hmm, but they're gonna come back with a story. Man, you know what? I'm kind of tired of Peter and John. What do they think they are, right? And I say that to say this. It's interesting to me that Peter, James, and John beheld more than the other disciples. I think it's interesting, and I'm not, I know that we live in, it's not a fair comparison, it's always a little bit different, but we live in a world where we always try to just kind of categorize people, and it, individualism is so high that sometimes I think we trade spiritual hunger away, and we just classify people as personality, as a reason in your own mind, but I just wanted you to just lock in with the idea that Peter, James, and John, they, they saw more. <laughs> Like they beheld more. And I just, I just want maybe in your heart to kind of go, I wonder, I wonder if there's more for me to behold than what I currently am. Like what if you, I am a disciple? I, and I, I, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And, but he has prayed that I would behold his glory. And I don't know that I love and cherish the scriptures and behold them in the word of God like I want to. What if, what, if, what if creation really did point me to the splendor of Jesus? Like what would happen? And I was just one more and that's this. I believe in addition to creation and the scriptures, I have faith for us to behold him in our relationships. It's why we talk about small groups like a broken record. Because I know in my journey, one of the best places where I grow as a follower of Jesus is when I hear the stories of others saying, listen to what Jesus did. Listen to what God has done. And imagine if we had relationships where we were talking frequently about Jesus. Like out of, out of, out of the overflow of our 
conversation is the one who's our Lord, is the one that when we see him, we just go, I can't help but talk about him. And I believe Jesus, he's always asking his disciples questions. You know, he's always, he's always looking at him and, hey guys, so who do people say that the son of man is in Matthew 16? He's just digging. Who, who, who do they say? What about you? Who do you say? And then I like the moment, even after he's just served them and he looks at him and he goes, so do you know what I've done for you? It's just, let's just talk. Let's just have conversation. I just want to invite you. Matthew 17, the, trans, the Mount of Transfiguration, where the father says, listen to him. Imagine, listen to Jesus. Yeah, he's got something to say. What if we brought him into our conversation? Like, Lord, I just, what are you saying? What, what is it that you're saying? In, how, how, can, how can even when we have this conversation, when I'm gathering with the saints, when I'm gathering with other people, how can we talk? How can you be the center of our conversation? He looks at, he looks at Martha when he talks about raising Lazarus from the dead and he says, do you believe me? He looks at Peter, do you love me? He's always got these questions with his disciples. And I think what he's doing, he's saying, let's talk. Behold my awesomeness. Behold my splendor. See, let's communicate. Let's talk about my excellence, my glory. I want you to see it. And I want to invite you. Say, God, I want this prayer in my heart. Jesus prayed that I would behold his glory. God, I live on cruise control. I got so much going. I, I just pepper my life with just a little bit of Jesus just to keep going. That's not how I wanna, I wanna bend my life around Christ. I want Jesus to be at the center. I wanna behold his glory. God, I just ask for more. There's a degree. I'm a disciple. There, I've seen some, but I wanna see more. Open my eyes to see. I want to behold him. I wanna behold Jesus. I'll just close with this. John, the one who writes out Jesus' prayer in John 17. John, the one who writes John 1, we have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. He's also the one that writes in Revelation of a moment where Jesus, the exalted Christ, appears to him on the island of Patmos. And the only point I want to get is this. Jesus is so glorious that John says, I fell over like a dead man. That's all I want you to get. Like dead, like wow, like jaw dropping. John 1, 17, hi, hi, <laughs> You are awesome. He's better than we can imagine. He's more glorious. And the more that we see, the more that we behold, the more we bend our lives around him. And man, we're driving down the road and instead of thinking about ourselves and all our problems, we just look up to the skies and say, the heavens declare your glory. We open up the word of God and we have a fascination with who he is.
We read about him. I, I, I talked about some of the stories in Luke. You can read about him, the prophetic words about him in the Old Testament, all of his stories in the gospels, the early church, the proclamation of who he is as Paul declares to the early church. Revelation, he's all through the scriptures. We get just inside of us. Oh, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. You're so awesome. <laughs> I just wanna talk about it. Hey, let's, let's meet up. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's bend our lives. Let's create community. Let's create relationships about around one thing. He is awesome. He is magnificent. He is king. He is glorious. And <laughs> I might not be falling like a dead man just yet, but if I were to see him, I would. He's that awesome. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's just pray. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to behold Jesus. God, we thank you for the invitation, the prayer of our Savior to behold. We thank you for, God, that our, our lives can be more than monotonous routines, trying to survive. God, we thank you that we have an invitation to behold Jesus. And we can't wait to behold him in eternity, but we wanna behold him now. And so we pray that even in this body, there'd be a fulfillment of the John 17 prayer, that we would behold your glory. God, I just wanna behold. Would you take a minute and just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What's that one message you're saying to me today? Now, will you just respond? Just say, here I am, God, I'll obey. I'm listening and I'll obey. We love you, Jesus. Your first place. You're glorious. You're better than we can fathom. You're worthy. You are everything to us, God. Do a fresh work in our hearts today. If you're here today and the good news of Jesus is so good, it's so amazing that you wanna say, I've, I've not been following Jesus. I haven't, I haven't been living for him, but I want to spend eternity with him and I want to give him my life. We as a church, we're just a bunch of people that Jesus has changed us. He'll change you too. He'll be at work inside of you and you can spend eternity with him too. John wrote this, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whosoever, that's you, whosoever, believe, will not perish, but have eternal life. I wanna invite you just to pray this prayer to me, with me, if you would just take this moment and just say to God, Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. 
you that he died for me. I choose to follow him. I give you my life. Save me, heal me, change me, have your way in me. In Jesus' name. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.